Do you know that the coldest day ever recorded on this planet, negative 128, can you imagine being in a place where it's negative 128 degrees? You know what's funny about California is when we have 108 degree weather, I mean, it feels, it feels warm, right? It's, you walk outside, hopefully it's dry and not humid. And then you have a day two weeks later and it's 89. It's like, wow, so hot. But yet the degrees, it's like 20 degrees almost less, but yet it's still so hot. Can you imagine being in a place where it's negative 128? July 21st, 1983, the coldest day ever recorded. The hottest day, of course, what happened in California, Death Valley, 134, 134 degrees, Death Valley, so hot. We know that there's summer, fall, winter, spring. There's four seasons, right? What do the four seasons represent for the earth? We know that there's a change in time and temperature simply. And so this morning as we get into the scripture, I want you to think about the four seasons I want you to think about life, I want you to think about time, and I want you to think about temperature and every single thing that it means as we change through different seasons. And ask yourself, if I go through spiritual seasons in my life, what's the season I'm going through now? If there's summer, spring, fall, winter, right? If there's a spiritual season that I go through, just as I go through it physically in the four seasons, if I'm in a spiritual season, what season is that in this moment? What season am I going through currently in my head, in my heart, in my mind, and in my soul? And with that, Genesis 41, starting in verse 16, as we pick up in our story. Joseph said, it's beyond my power to do this, he replied, but God can tell you what it means and he will set you at ease. And I just wanted to start with that verse, but I'm going to skip all the way down to verse 28 now. Joseph says, verse 28, this will happen just as I have described it. For God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine, so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. Famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. Verse 32. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man, and he should put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth, one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Sorry, I forgot to change it on the screen. Verse 35, have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it into Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away, guard it so there'll be food in the cities, so that there'll be way enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Verse 37, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. And Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of god pharaoh said to joseph since god has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are you'll be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you only i sitting on my throne will have a higher rank than yours verse 41 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing, hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt with or without your approval. And so this morning we get into this part of the story. What's a really big day? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a big day today. It's a big, big day, big day. Let's take a sip of coffee. It's a big day. How many of us have ever had a big day? How many of us can remember a big day, you know, when we were born? That was a really big day. How many of us remember being born? How many of us remember coming out of the birth canal? That was a big day. It was an important moment to be born. You know, how many of us can remember our first day of school? Some of us probably had to be dragged into class. I can remember, you know, back in the day, and I don't know if they still do it, but I remember in kindergarten, you know, I had, you'd, you'd go to school all day, and you would, they'd get little cots out, and you'd take a nap, you know, all those crazy, wonderful things. But I didn't like school, unless my sisters were close by. Back then, I had two older sisters who were around, and I remember if they weren't going to school, I wouldn't go to school either, right? I had to go only with my big sisters. But how many of us remember our first day of school? It's a big day. How many of us are first... I may remember the first day of junior high. as a really big day as well. You're getting older. Things are changing in life. Get into high school, right? Super crazy, right? If you thought junior high was cool, then you got to high school. It's like, wow. And how many of us remember their graduation? Graduating high school. And the very first thing you felt when you graduated high school, when you maybe you passed, maybe you didn't pass, maybe you had to take a test to pass, but how many of us remember these big days, these big moments, big day getting married, you know, to the love of your life? It's a huge, huge moment when you make that decision to say, I do and I give myself to one person. You know, the Bible says you leave and you cleave. And so marriage, this great symbol of life, and it's a great symbol of Christianity is that big day of getting married. And then there's a the big day where you ask Jesus into your heart. When you ask Jesus into your heart, that's what changes absolutely everything. Because in the beginning, we know that we're born good and we're born evil, right? And we can't make any excuses about that. But all of us deal with a good side and a bad side. We all can be good, and the next minute we could be bad real quick. How many of us, we could be happy and something could trigger us, and then we could be really frustrated and upset, and we can just flip just like a switch, right? We have this good, but yet we have this bad inside all of us. And so as we ask Jesus into our heart, it says we become a brand new creation, and you start this transformation process. You start a process to becoming a completely new person, the Bible talks about. That is a big day. For Joseph in this day, it's a really, really, really big day. How many of you, you know, as we're singing, Great Are You, Lord, and it's talking about taking a, a breath. God is the breath in our lungs. When God created man, you know, we were, we were the fortunate ones, the men, that God picked up some dust and, you know, just kind of threw us together, right? And here we are so handsome and strong and wonderful. And then it says he breathed into us the breath of life. It's God who puts breath into our lungs, right? And so in this big day, in this big moment, and many of us, if we, as we have experienced big moments and big days, there's a, there's a moment where we'll pause and it's like, <sighs> have you ever had that moment? And this was Joseph's moment. This was the big day. 
Joseph begins to explain to, to Pharaoh the two dreams that God had given to Pharaoh. And the very first thing he says is, you're, Pharaoh, you're about to experience seven years of prosperity. It's crazy. At the same time, it's recorded in the history books of Egypt that there was a, a period of prosperity. And they noted the period of prosperity with the amount of water that was in the Nile River. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Nile River. Crazy. There was a period where the Nile River was 16 feet deep. And of course, they're recording it and, and um, using it to measure prosperity. Because how many of us know if you farm and if you, you know, grow things, how many of us know you need water? Right? So if the river is high, not only can you do cannonballs in the river and dive and all that fun stuff, but you need water, and it's nice to have a surplus of water for what? To grow things. And so it's recorded at the same time there was a time of prosperity in the land of Egypt that was in the Nile River, and they, they compared it to it was 16 feet deep, this, this Nile River. But they also recorded a time of famine. And as they looked at this time of famine, again, they compared it to water and the Nile River, and it was only one and a half foot deep. You imagine, now, when you go to take a bath in the Nile River and it's 16 feet of water, that, hey, this is fun, this is great, right? You jump in, you could swim around, you can do be all kinds of crazy things in 16 feet of water. But imagine getting in, in the water and, and how many people come in to bathe in this river one and a half feet deep, having to use the same water to, you know, irrigate the land, kind of gross, right? But when you have less water, represents famine, represents loss. And so as Joseph laid this out, and it's also described in Egypt's history books, prosperity and famine in this time. And so this is one of those great things, again, that gives us confidence in the Word of God. Because the Word of God, it doesn't contradict anything that we see or hear. It does not contradict what's happened in our world today. The Word of God, it goes along with history and all that's happened around the world. Joseph interprets two dreams. Joseph had two dreams. You know, and Joseph interprets these two dreams. The two dreams that he gave, that God gave to Joseph, one was about grain. And as he's explaining to Pharaoh, what's one of the dreams about? It's about grain. And so for Joseph, God had given this dream about leadership. And that leadership didn't happen overnight. We know that it, leadership took 13 years to groom inside of him. That that leadership, that process for Joseph, it was 13 years in learning to be a slave, and learning to go to prison, to be falsely accused, and all the horrible things that he went through. 13-year process, but on his big day to see his dream be fulfilled. As he explains the dreams to Pharaoh, he says to Pharaoh, here's the plan, and this is what you need to do. You need to hire supervisors, and you need managers, and you're going to need to govern out this plan. This is what we're going to have to do. We have to prepare. We have to build storehouses. We have to take a and put a 20% tax. We need to charge 20% tax on all grain that's being sold, all grain that's been taken in. We need to take from the people, and we need to throw it into a storehouse. And as Joseph is explaining the dream, notice two things happen in this story. One, he interprets a dream, but two, he tells them what to do. He says, here's, here's what's going to happen. And it's not like he just gives them. It's like, how many of us have ever had a friend who has really bad breath? I don't know if you've ever known someone who has really bad breath. And as you're getting close to them, you're wishing, I wish I had some Tic Tacs right now. 
I wish I had some gum right now. Like, this person, this Brad's horrible. And you could talk about bad breath all that you wanted to, but unless you had something to help cure that bad breath, what's going to happen? That person's going to continue to have bad breath. The Pharaoh in this story, he had a problem, he had an issue. Joseph interpreted it, and he gave him the answer. He gave him and told him what to do. Here's the plan, and this is what you need to do to prepare for this. What I love about this, as Pharaoh is listening to him, he says to his people, is can, can we find anyone like this man? Can we find anyone like this guy? Joseph made a very clear difference with who he was compared to everybody else. Now, back in this day, you know that kings and pharaohs, they employed magicians. We know that magi magicians, obviously, they practiced magic. They used spells. They did charms. Now, sometimes when a pharaoh or king would have a bad dream, you know what they would do? They would call on the magicians, and they would use verbal charms, verbal spells. They would speak it, and they would sing it. And you know what they tried to do? To get rid of the negative feelings that king or pharaoh had from his dream. And so as the king, we know, what did the king do first in this story? He went to the magicians. The magicians could do nothing, absolutely nothing for him. Just sometimes in life is a reminder to us, when we have a problem or, or issue, usually, now obviously mature believers, what do they do? They go to God first. Immature believers, what do they do? They go to somebody else first. If you really want to see something in your life be resolved, if you truly want to see God move and shake and heal and deliver and set free, don't go to anybody. Go to God first, right? Go to God first. And so Pharaoh realizes in the story that his magicians, they have no power. Their verbal spells and their verbal charms, they were not taking away the negativity and the feelings that he had in the moment from these dreams because he was so confused and he was so lost in the moment. There was nothing that could take that away. And so he says to Joseph and he says to everyone that is there, after he hears all that Joseph interprets, ter ter ugh, sorry, after all that he says, he gives him the plan, he tells him what to prepare. The king says... Can we find anyone like this man? Now, what was the very first thing that he said? Because he's filled with the Spirit of God. Can you imagine if that's the very one thing that people said about you? Not that you're nice, not that you're just handsome and strong or beautiful. I like this person because they have the Spirit of God in them. I like this person because I can tell there's something that the Holy Spirit of God is in this person. The king had an audience of how many people? And what did he say? Joseph set himself apart in this moment because he was so consumed with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, it gave him intelligence. It gave him smarts, right? We know that it made him wise. No one could compare to the wisdom and the intelligent mind that Joseph had. And where did that come from? Where did that come from? Where did this wisdom, where did the intelligence and the thoughts come from? It came from the Holy Spirit. You know, when you were filled and consumed with the Holy Spirit, it will set us apart. It will make us different. We know that the Holy Spirit changes things. It changes everything. How many of us know that sometimes when we're baking we need a little salt. How many of us know? Some people, they are in love with salt. And so sometimes 
I don't know if you've ever been to restaurants, and we were just at one yesterday where our french fries, they went swimming in salt. And so as you're eating the french fries, it was like, holy moly, that's so much salt. And how many of us bakers know that sometimes when you're baking, yeah, you could put a pinch, but there's some people who really love that salt, right? But what does it do? You know, for bars, they make their stuff extra salty because, and we weren't at a bar yesterday, so let's just put that out there, okay? We were at In-N-Out eating french fries, okay? But bars will purposely salt their food. Bar, they put salt on there. Why? Because they want you to what? Drink more, right? Joseph, in this story, he made himself be set apart and stand out. He was being the salt of the, the earth. He was being the light of the world because he was consumed with God. And it was so clear and so evident that every single person standing there said, could we find anyone else like this? Now, as we took a look at ourselves, as we take a, a look at human nature, how many of us, we feel that we're kind? Most of, been, most of us in there, I'd hope you'd raise your hand, right? I'm a kind person. How many of us? Loyal, yes, I'm a loyal person. Yes, I'm a faithful person. Yes, I'm a hardworking person. How many of us have so many different things in common in here? Some of us smarts, right? We are so super smart, like my daughter Jayla. We have so many things in here in, in just this room that we have in common. But the number one thing that we should learn to have in common is the thing that Joseph had. So filled with the Spirit of God. Because his spirit will truly set you apart from everybody else. His Holy Spirit can do things and help you and help people around you that nothing, nothing else in this life can do. As soon as Joseph gets done and he gives him the plan and all these things, it says that the Pharaoh gives him a, a ring. You know, as he gives him a ring, this is not just no ordinary ring. And how many of us, you know, when we, when we got married, how many of us know, you know, we wear a wedding ring, you know, a symbol that you're married, you know, this, it's a circle and it's never ending, just like the love that you choose to have with the person that you're married to. And it's important to wear a ring to remind you, to represent that you are married and that you're in love and that you give yourself for the person that you're married to. In this story, Joseph was given a ring and as he was given a ring, it's called a signet ring. And this ring that was used for power and it was used for authority. As you have this signet ring, you take it and you would press it down on a piece of paper. This was a signature. This is my name. This is my authority. This is my approval to put into law, to put into place this right here. A permanent, a permanent mark of what I'm agreeing to a permanent mark and kind of again like the Holy Spirit as we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives he makes a permanent mark on us and it's just like being in love when you are loving your spouse and you're in love don't they make a permanent mark in your heart mind and soul when you are in love with the person that you live with and you share every day with it leaves a permanent mark inside of you the things that we love, the people that we love, they leave a permanent mark. And so for Joseph, he's given this signet ring so that he can leave a permanent mark everywhere he goes and everything that he does. This is my name, my signature, my power, and my authority. He also gets some new clothes. Turn to your name and say, woohoo, new clothes. That's so exciting. The guy gets a new outfit. He gets a gold necklace. 
and he gets a new car. Man, all in the same day, the price is right. This guy is excited. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going to, to bed and you're in prison and it's dark and it's dusty and it's dreary? And then the next day, you're dressed in, in, in fine purple linen. You've got a gold necklace around your neck. You've got all these things that you have, you have just been given. Everything in you is now transformed from the bottom and to the very top, right? This man gets his life completely transformed. New clothes, gold necklace, a new ride, the signet ring, power, authority. And in this moment at 30 years old, Joseph's dreams fulfilled. And he takes that breath. <sighs> he takes that breath for a minute. Because everything that he'd waited for, everything that he wondered about, everything that he was hoping for is now fulfilled. And in his mind, you see, for Joseph, he thought it was going to happen differently. We know that he, when he was in prison, remember when he was talking with the chief cupbearer, he was saying, remember me because I'm a slave and I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be home. I'm supposed to be with my family. He thought that his dream would still be fulfilled with his home and with his family. But it's interesting because as three years or a couple years passed by after he helps the cupbearer and the baker, his dream was fulfilled. But it was in Egypt. It was a completely different way than what he expected. It was something completely new and something completely different. But in that moment at 30, everything changed for this man. You know, last week I asked the question, have we ever been insecure about doing something? And how many of us remember, you know, when you were in junior high, how many of us can remember as our bodies start to change, it's real easy for any one of us to start to become insecure, right? So we start growing hair everywhere and it comes out the ears, it's going everywhere, right? These bodies just change, right? And so how many people in our world today, they face insecurities over their own bodies? But then the question is, as we spoke about Joseph last week, is how many Christians have insecurities about what God asked them to do in doing something different? And the question arises, does God ask us to do things that are comfortable or does God ask us to do things that are a little bit out of our comfort zone? Does everything that God put into your life, does everything that God put around your life, is it for our comfort? And Joseph in this moment, being a slave, being a prisoner, and then being in front of Pharaoh, did he have that moment of insecurity? And for a second, I don't think he did. And you know why I don't think Joseph faced insecurity in this moment? Because he fully knew that what God had brought him to, God would take care of everything. You see, sometimes what we feel is if God is asking me to do something that is out of my comfort level, the devil is there with lies, and you can't do this. You were like this, and you shouldn't do that because it's not who you are. This and that and this and that. The devil is right there, right? And he's trying to push you down, and he's trying to lie to you, and he's trying to bring shame, and he's trying to bring guilt. And Joseph in this story, 
there was nothing that he needed to think insecure about because he had seen how God had used him. God had directed him. God had given him interpretations before. And so one of the things I want to mention to you this morning is you can be very confident in what God asks you to do. Is it always what you want? No. Is it always what you feel? No. Is it always what feels right, sounds right, and comfortable? No. But doing something beyond you, doing something that may be a little scary, God will meet you in that moment, and God will meet you in that space. God has given you gifts and talents. Every one of us this morning, we're super gifted. Every one of us, we're super talented. Yes, some of us gifts have gifts and talents that are the same, and some of them, they're different. But God created you just as he created Joseph. He created Joseph just for this moment in this story to save people's lives. He created you and gave you gifts and talents so you can save people's lives. The greatest thing that we do in life is we learn it's not to live a life for myself, but it's to live a life for what God's put me here to do. And those gifts and those talents, what he made me, what he created me for, what he's put me here to do, to be very confident in things that are scary. Even if he's asked you to do something beyond you, it is okay. You know, for Joseph, he had to talk about things and he predicted that there's going to be a change in seasons. There's going to be a time of prosperity, and there's going to be a time of famine. How many of us have ever felt that in our own life? I'm 46 years old, and how many I can look back in my 46 years of living and see times of prosperity? And the feeling, how many of us have felt what it feels like to be prosperous, to feel good and feel successful, to feel everything, and this is so wonderful, and this is so amazing. But then how many of us can relate to a time of famine? And time of famine means that there's lack. And a time of famine means that there's hardship. And there's, there's going to be difficult times. And all of us here, we know that in the past few years, we, our world has changed with what virus has come. And so we've seen famine, maybe not personally sometimes, but we've seen hard things the past, you know, four or five years. We've seen difficult times. And so we can relate to times of prosperity, and we can relate to times of famine. It's things that we go through. And sometimes the changing of seasons, really cold, really hot, the leaves are falling off the trees. The changing of seasons represents something deeper than just the, the leaves changing and just being having more water in our reserves and not having water. The changing of the seasons spiritually, there's different seasons for different reasons. There's different seasons that God will lead you through for a different reason. And I asked you at the very beginning, what spiritual season are you in in your life? You know, many of us, how many of us, there's times where, man, we can get so pumped up about God and one thing, and I'm so pumped up in this moment for this one thing. But yet, how many times have we noticed in our lives, sometimes we watch those, those, those moments when we're pumped up just kind of fizzle out real quickly. Leadership and learning to be a leader, there's ups, there's downs, and there's all arounds because why? There's changing seasons, and God has put us through this morning and every one of us through changing seasons. And the question is, what am I learning in the season I'm going through right now? What is God's voice and his spirit trying to say to me in this season? What's the one thing that he is trying to get through to my brain? 
you know, the writer of Ecclesiastes, we, we know that he says in Ecclesiastes 3, for everything there is a season. There's a time in activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to harvest. And every single day, and every single year, God puts us through what? Changing seasons. Why? Because sometimes there's things that change, and God's trying to speak something different that we wouldn't hear if we were always in the same season. We wouldn't hear if we were always in a time of prosperity. We wouldn't hear if we were always in famine. There has to be a change in seasons so that we become willing to listen to his voice. You know, in the story, it points out that the most powerful ingredient in this man was what? The Spirit of God. The most powerful ingredient, it is not in our intelligence and it is not in our own wisdom. God needs you to hear something loud and clear this morning. The most powerful ingredient that you need in your life, it is the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, what? It empowers us, it heals us, saves us, delivers us, advises us, counsels us, heals us. The Holy Spirit produces things in us that we can't produce on our own. And so this morning as we start to pull these things together, my title is called Leadership Matters. And turn to your neighbor and say, Leadership Matters. Leadership Matters. And you know why leadership matters? Leaders change and save lives. And everything that Joseph went through in his changing seasons, what did it do? It prepared him to be a great leader. Everything that Joseph went through, everything that happened to him, it prepared him and it taught him and it stretched him to be a great leader. Leadership matters. Every one of us in here, we're leaders, right? We're moms, we're dads, we're aunts, we're grandmas, right? How many of us, we are a leader, even if it's in our own house, even if it is the leader of myself, we lead someone and something. And if we lead ourselves, and if we lead our kids, and if we lead at our jobs, wherever we go and whatever we do, understanding your leadership, how you lead, it matters. You matter. The way that you talk, the way that you handle yourself, the way that you talk with other people, the way that you do things for other people, leadership matters. Your leadership matters. How you lead yourself, how you lead your family, how you lead in church, how you lead in the community, how we plan, how we prepare, how do I grow as a leader, how do I grow as a person. Winston Churchill said this, you have enemies, good. That means you've stood up for something at least one time, sometime in your life. Have you ever faced something dark, horrible? Have you ever faced people who didn't like you? Winston Churchill, if you have enemies, that's good. That means you stood up for something sometime in your life. I love this quote. If you don't stand for something, you can fall for anything. What's the thing that you stand for? What's the number one good thing that you stand for? And for all of us, of course, we're in church. We're in say, God, right? Winston Churchill, never give in. This is the lesson. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in, never, never. He says, I like pigs. Dogs look up to us, cats look down on us, but pigs treat us as equals. 
Dogs look up to us, cats look down on us, but pigs treat us as equals. If we open a quarrel, a fight between the past and the present, we shall find that we have lost the future. If we open a fight, a quarrel between the past and the present, we shall find that we have lost the future. It is a mistake to try and look too far ahead. The chain of destiny can only be grasped one link at a time. It's not enough that we do our best. Sometimes we have to do what is required. In finance, everything is agreeable, unsound. Everything that sounds disagreeable. All I can say is that I've taken more out of... I'm going to skip that one. Never, never, never believe any war will be smooth and easy or that anyone who embarks on strange voyages can measure the tides and hurricanes he will encounter. The statesman who yields to war fever must realize that once the signal is given, he is no longer the master of policy, but the slave of unforeseeable and uncontrollable events. And I like this one, and I'm going to end with this one again. Listen, never, never, never believe any war will be smooth and easy or that anyone who embarks on the strange voyage can measure the tides and hurricanes he will encounter. The statesman who yields to war fever must realize that once the signal is given, he's no longer the master of policy, but the slave of the unforeseeable and uncontrollable events. Who knows what God's going to put us through next? Who knows what God allows us to, to be led through next, right? Who knows what, what's going to happen in the next five or ten years? But the one thing that is for sure is that it's really important to have a microphone check. How many of us know that when you, when you use a microphone, you want it to work, right? How many of us know when you sing or you talk and you want to use a microphone, it's important that it works. And so you talk into the microphone and you make sure that it works. One of the things I think that is the most important thing that as we wrap up this morning, there's three things. Understanding your leadership matters. But as a leader, what are some things that I shouldn't do? One of the things leaders shouldn't do is cause fights. One of the things leaders shouldn't do is talk about struggles all the time. Because if we were to talk about how we struggle all the time, what are we glorifying? The struggle or the person that gets us through the struggle? Leaders don't talk about struggles all the time. Leaders don't talk about and cause fights among other people. Leaders don't cause division. What did Jesus say leadership is? Leadership is, it's not even about us, but it's about who we serve. Leadership matters because it's about who you serve. It's about who you serve. Jesus said in my kingdom, in the kingdom of God, leadership matters. It matters because it's who you serve. And every single person is important. And in our leadership, who has been our greatest teacher? And in our lead leadership, who's been our greatest student? Who has been the person that we have learned the most from? What is the book? Maybe it's the Bible and hopefully the Bible, right? That has been the greatest guide and the greatest source of hope and love and joy and peace. This book that is our teacher, that gives us every single thing that we need. But as teachers and as students, you also need somebody to pass it on to. You know, one of the greatest things, we know that in, in you know, lakes and rivers and streams, for fresh life to continue to move and be absorbed in water and lakes and all these things, there needs to be a source of water coming in, but there also needs to be an opening for water to leave. 
what God puts in you, the word of God, what God has put in you, the story, the testimony, and all that he spoke to you, you need an outlet to give it to somebody else. Leadership matters if you're being taught the right way. Leadership matters if you're giving his word to somebody else. My last verse I want to close with this morning. 1 Kings 19.11 says, Go out and stand before me on the mountain. And the Lord told him, as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said to Elijah, What are you doing? And here's a man, one of the greatest prophets that are happened in the Bible. God had to take him through a lesson of learning to listen. Your leadership matters, and it matters the most when us leaders learn how to listen. God used the wind. God used the windstorm. God used an earthquake. God used a fire. But then there was a gentle whisper. And this morning, whatever season you're going through, Whatever it is, I wonder, what's the gentle whisper that God's trying to speak to? What's the one thing that he's gently whispering? Hey, I'm here. What's the whisper God's trying to speak? Look and listen, because God has a whisper. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for God this day. God, we thank you for Joseph. We thank you for his life. God, we thank you for all that his life means to us, all that we can take. God, all that we can learn from his circumstances. God, all that we can learn from the situation that he lived through. God, all that we can see from his dream being fulfilled. God, all that we can see, all that we can hear. God, that we can take the word. God, that we can absorb it into our heart, mind, and soul. And know that it's important. It's important to relate our lives to his life. God, to see what he went through. To see every single situation. God, and so this morning... As we think about changing seasons in our brain, as we think about cold weather and hot weather, as we think about winter is coming and it's going to cool down, God, what's the spiritual season? And if we were to take the temperature in our own life this morning, what's the spiritual temperature like in our life? God, you know when we're hot, but you also know when we're cold. God, you know when we're hot. And when you know when we're passionate and when we want to pray and read the Bible, God, and do great things for you. God, but you also know, God, when we're cold and when we're ignoring the things that you've called us to do. And God, so I pray this morning for us in here. God, I pray that you would help us to see and understand the moment that we live in and the season that we're going through. God, and if any of us in here this morning, if we're cold-hearted to the things that you've called us to do, God, warm our hearts up. God, warm our hearts up. The greatest leaders, God, you said, it's not barking orders, but it's in serving people. God, so help us to break through the coldness in any part of our life that where we're struggling and where we're having a hard time in the season, God, that we're in today. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, God, help us to listen, God, for your gentle whisper. That whisper that's going to lead us and get us to the next step in our life. That, that whisper that's going to help us, God, find the thing that we're looking for. 
the whisper that has the answer, God, to the question that we've been asking, God, for a long time. God, the whisper that's going to bring revelation and deliverance. God, the, the whisper that's going to bring salvation for somebody that we know. God, the whisper that's going to save another person's life. God, help our ears to listen this morning. God, and I pray that we would all take a spiritual thermometer this morning to say what season and what temperature am I in. And God, help me. And God, forgive me. God, if I'm spiritually been in the wrong place. God, if we need to change our leadership styles and habits, God, help us to change that in which we do. God, so that we can become better leaders. So we can take the example of Joseph. God, we worship you this morning. We praise you. God, we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you that we're not done yet, that we get to sing one more song. God, we are thankful, God, that we get to sing. God, that we get to praise you one more time this morning. God, and I pray that you would use this song. God, that you would stir in our heart, that you would stir in our mind. God, that you would continue to speak, that you would continue to move. God, that you would continue to shake. God, that you would continue to use waves and winds and earthquakes and fires, God, in our life to get our attention. God, that you would continue to shake everything in us and around us. God, that we would listen, that we would hear. God, that we would see you this morning. God, that we would feel your presence. God, and that we would be filled with your spirit. God, may we make the mark this week in life by being filled with your spirit. May we make a difference in other people's lives because we're filled with your spirit. God, help us to truly help people and see them set free because we're filled with your spirit. God, fill us this morning with your Holy Spirit. God, come and consume us with your Holy Spirit.